Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. We have a really special guest. He has played recurring characters on at least nine television series. And most recently, he has guest starred as a title characters in episodes of iZombie and The Resident. And we have so much to discuss besides acting. So please welcome Todd Sherry. Pop on, Todd. Boop. I'm here, I'm here. Oh, I'm so happy you came and joined us today for those that are hearing it audioly and for those who will watch this on YouTube visually. Welcome. And you know, it's so interesting because a lot of my guests, these are actors I have on that I've coached, that I've worked with, that I know, but I don't know you. And I'm so excited to get to know you. And the reason why I've connected to you is your story that you've recently been talking about with your experience of having COVID. But we're not going to talk about that yet because okay. I want to talk about your acting and your life and, and your, you know, studies and how you came to have a career that you've had. So my first question for you, Todd, as I yes. just babber on, first of all, in the introduction that you told me, you told for me to, we, we talked about, I said the title character. So I'd like to know what that means. What does that mean? Well, the title every, character? Every episode of TV has a title. Um, and it just, in particular, these two uh, guest stars that I did, that the character was also the title of the show. Oh, the oh, so the, so the name of the show was? Yeah, my, my character was the title of the show. <clears throat> yeah. Can you say what the title of like the iZombie show was? Uh, well, if I do, it'll give away the whole thing, but, uh, oh. of course it's out there anyway, who cares? It's, uh, that, okay. that one was called Killer Queen. And you played? The Killer Queen. queen. <laughs> <laughs> Drag Queen. <laughs> and you know, it, I, I, yeah. it was, uh, Doll, Doll E period Wood. Doll E Wood. Oh, that's so funny. That's yeah. hilarious. I have seen a ton of your work and I've always thought you were hilarious. You. So I'm really happy you're here. Let's share your story. How did you get involved in acting? Talk to us. Oh gosh, well I started singing in school when I was six and uh, mm. you know that always led to concerts and all the stuff you had to do, the Christmas concert, the spring concert, the, and all that. So yes. I was always in that. And then uh, when I got to, um, uh, it was, let's see, we had our school went to sixth grade, then you went to seven, eight, nine, then you went to 10, 11, 12. So it was junior high and senior high. So in ninth grade, the year I was in ninth grade, the English teacher and the French teacher, yes, and Miss Beebe, um, decided they would bring back what I guess used to be done, but not since the 50s or something, um, to do a musical in ninth grade. So uh, I went to the audition and so did everybody. At that point, it, you're right at that point before high school that, that um, you know, the jocks, the cheerleaders, everybody showed up. You everybody. Know, it, it wasn't yes. cool to be in a musical, you know, right. uh, yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Hilarious. so it was all in the auditorium and, uh, and I went in there and I was sitting way down front and uh, my choir instructor who I'd known for, all my years of school was the one playing the piano. You'd think I would have been fine, but I was a nervous wreck because, you know, all the popular kids were there, all the jocks, everybody. And they were all just going up and doing whatever and, and, and having fun and having, you know, right. having no fear. And my fear was growing and growing and growing as I sat there. <laughs> so literally, I was in this somewhere else in my head. I was gone yeah. into this yes. tour. <laughs> like in a horror movie. And I hear from behind me, my French teacher calling me Danielle because there is no French name for Todd. So in French class, I had to be my middle name, which is Daniel. But That's I hilarious. Her, yeah. So I hear her behind me going, Danielle, Danielle. And I turned around. And when I turned around from the front row and looked back at the two teachers, I was the only one left in the auditorium. I had no idea. Everyone else had gone. Everyone else had auditioned. Oh, I was, I was gone. I was having an out-of-body fear experience. So I turn around and she said, aren't you going to get up and sing for us? I know you have a wonderful voice. You see, you're in the choir. And, and, uh, um, and I was like, oh, no, I'm just here to watch. I was <laughs> going to escape. And she wouldn't let me. 
She wow. said, now my Mr. Witherup is playing the piano. You know him. Go on. Da, da, da. So my first audition song was My Country Tis of Thee. <laughs> oh my God. That's, I was, so, I had that's no hilarious. And, and you were uh, hooked. <laughs> and I got two parts in the musical, each with a solo. Oh my God. So, <laughs> so did you start um, in theater? So you started in theater, but when did you make your transition? So obviously you were hooked and then you stayed in because obviously you liked that anxiety and that drove you. <laughs> It was one of those things where I knew it was what I wanted with all my heart, but I was so scared. And uh, and then in high school, I did all the plays and musicals and all of that. I was in the drama club, all that business. I went to college, got a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in acting. Yes. Um, and then moved Please to tell everybody, isn't college years your best? The best oh, experience. Yeah. Well, I highly recommend it. Yeah. And for me, coming from a small town uh, and not knowing anything about city life, you know, which would be New York or Chicago or LA, mm. where we're going to go to be an actor. I knew nothing about that. So mm. for me, it was a very necessary social transition. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. To go to a college full of people from all over the place and learn a lot of new things. And, you know, rather than being thrown right into New York or Los Angeles or Chicago or, you know. Yes. Dallas Here's the thing. Whatever. I think that going to college, maybe for acting, you don't necessarily need it for the learning, but you do need it for the getting to know who you are and to know yourself inside and out so you can apply it to the real world. It is a necessary, necessary. Absolutely. And that's necessary for yes. your acting. If you're not applying yes. yourself to the roles, it doesn't work. That's right. So, yeah, finding yourself is a very big uh big thing about those years in college. And you know, some people go a couple of years and drop out and, and are perfectly fine, but they, they had that transition, you know. Um, exactly. Me, it's just great to, to go, get that degree, move on, went right to mm -hmm. summer stop after college and then moved to New York. Um, and then you just started. Yeah, did theater for years. Um, I didn't transition into TV and film until, uh, was it 19, no, 2000, 1999. She cut out. Um, okay. I was out here. What was your first? Yes, go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and um, I did a play out here because my acting teacher at the time was approached, do you have anybody who could play this role? And uh, hmm. he said, I think I do have one person. And he, so my acting teacher came to me. It was Tony, uh, uh, Tony Mindel. Um, and he came to me and said, um, there's this play, they've been doing readings of it around for years, but now they want to produce it and they're looking for this role. I think you're good for the role, but mm. here's the thing. Patrick Rush, who casts television, is mm -hmm. the casting director. So yes. you should go, just audition for him. He'll get to know you, you know, whatever. Well, anyway, I booked it huh. and I started a uh, uh, relationship with Patrick Rush that, you know, I still have to this day, I actually worked as a casting associate in his office for 10 years. Oh my goodness, I didn't even know that. Well, let me just, can I just say one thing? Connections, you guys, connections. It's all about the connections. So you got that role, but even if you didn't get that role, it's another connection and then you ended up having a side job too, which a side hustle is incredibly important. Yes, listen to Sherry, everyone, because yeah. uh, that's exactly why my, my teacher told me to go audition. He wasn't even thinking, you know, he didn't even care whether or not I got the part. He just said, right. go audition. You'll, Patrick Rush will see you. You know, this casting director will see you. If they don't know you exist, you're just never going to be called in. You know, I mean. Totally. You're invisible until you become visible. Yeah. Um, and that really was my whole goal. But I booked it. And it happened to be all kinds of people, you know, in the business here uh, uh, that I made contact with. And a lot mm -hmm. of people. Because Patrick Rush is a huge casting director, he got many other casting people to come and see the show. And, uh, and that started things for me, you know, in, in this world of getting actually mm. getting TV auditions and... Uh, uh, Amazing and working and doing really hilarious characters. Do you feel like you found one character that you do incredibly well? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, as I say, uh, how about, I, I, I always look at uh, Kelsey Grammer. I'm like, for yes. nine years on Cheers and 11 years on Frasier, he played the same character. Agreed. On television. And I, I look at actors and I say, do you not want that? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, there's some people that can play that 
play a whole array of roles, but if you have, like the Lisa Kudrow's, if you have that one role that you play so well, it's money. Take it and run with it. Incredible. But yeah, continue. Please, I would sorry. like to clarify that it's not the, uh, as you know, I know you're not, you don't mean this, but it's not the role that is the same, but it's the essence that you have that you bring yes. to each role. There are yes. many different roles you can play within that box. Yes. But, um, but they all have that essence of your truth and your what we were saying earlier that you find yourself and then you're like, oh, I have this and nobody else does. I'm going to do that. I call it your isms, but yes. Yes. Your true isms. Yeah. What was the first job? What was your very first job? Uh, my very first job was a guest star on an episode of Charmed. Oh, I did an episode of Charmed when I was an actress many years ago. Yeah. Hilarious. Hilarious, great people. Okay, we're gonna come back to the acting. Oh okay. uh, wait, but we didn't. We really didn't say the character that you you found your play. But you know what, you guys, we're gonna skip that because you guys can go and IMDb you and watch you on all the shows, no, and I'm you guys will understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of tape, and you're so funny. You're just so funny and free and awesome, and I love your work. But I really did. I'm gonna get to the truth. I really contacted you because you have just experienced about having. Uh, COVID. And I do want to talk about it because for, it's just very real and, and not many people get on and talk about their experience. And I think that because people don't talk about their experience of it, people don't think it can happen to them. And it can. So I'm doing a safety episode about wearing your mask and washing your hands. And I want to tell everybody about your experience and how you thought you, how you possibly got it Blah, blah, blah. Please tell us. We are very interested. We, meaning me, but I hope everybody else is too. So let's lean in, you guys, and hear a story. Lean in, everyone. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> uh, let me be clear at the onset that I had a very bad case of it uh, and a very early case of it. My first symptom mm. was March 16th. Wow. So uh, from March 16th to April 15th. I was pretty much unusable to the planet. <laughs> um, wow. Well, I'm glad you can laugh about it now because it's really awful. It's awful. It, so, it is awful and it was awful. And it, uh, um, uh, well, I, I'll just tell you my, my experience. How I got it, I do not know. Um, I was prior to that uh, from the uh, March 5th to March 14th, I was in Palm Springs. It was a okay. friend's uh, 60th birthday, and he was uh, having a whole shebang, and about 30 people were there in several different houses. Mm -hmm. uh, we were all gathering together for different things. Mm -hmm. um, out of all of those people, three people got COVID, but we don't know that it was happened there. Yeah. It happened on the way home. It could have happened, right. you know, in a restaurant prior to, you know, it was the three or four days after I got home that I got sick. Um, and you weren't prior, you didn't have any preconditions to anything normal. Right. No. Yeah. Right. Um, so my, uh, my boyfriend also got it, but he had no symptoms. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. He didn't know until he tested after I tested and, right. uh, and then he tested positive. Uh, the other woman who got it um, tested positive for over 90 days. She continued what? to test positive. Oh. Even after she felt better, uh, so she that's still something had people it. should know that. Yeah, people think they had it and are over it and are fine, and then they're, they're still, still carrying it. They still, yes. Uh, so my particular case, um, it came on pretty fast. Um, uh, the first day, I didn't feel sick. I just had no uh, sense of smell or taste. Just uh, all of a sudden, you woke up, and that was it. That you just woke up. Yeah. And I, I had at the time, I had a, a, I have a very large grapefruit tree in my yard and it was blooming, mm -hmm. full bloom. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what that smells like. It's a very yes. amazing scent and heady. And I put my face right into a bunch of blossoms and couldn't smell a thing. And, and you didn't like, feel oh, sick though. You just, no. yeah, interesting. We right. didn't know at that point that that was a symptom. Right. So I just was like, why can't I smell that? That's weird. Mm. And then the next day I woke up and I was started to have a dry cough. And I thought it was because I slept with air conditioning on. 
but uh-huh. it got worse and worse and worse as the day went on. And I was like, so I have a little, um, I'm sitting in there now, this little office building on my property yeah. from the house. And I came out here, there's a bed in here and a TV. And I um, came out here because I have a roommate and I was like, mm, nah, just in case mm-hmm. you know, it's this thing they're talking about. You know, um, and the coughing just got worse and worse and we're absolutely unproductive cough, dry, 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 painful, painful. And then eventually the cough was painful. It felt to me like, um, I said to my doctor, it felt like there was broken glass in my lungs. And when I coughed, it was shredding something. Wow. Terrible, terrible pain. Terrible. And so I dreaded. And wait, can I? Coming. Just ask you that onset, like within hours of waking up and then just the hours of not smelling oh, I, the same day? Immediately upon waking up, I had the dry cough, but it was very intermittent for the first mm. half of the day. And then it just started being pretty constant by the end of the day. Like a bronchial feeling, like when you have bronchitis, that kind of cough? Yes, no. but as I said, also very painful. Yeah. So yes, it was the, it's uncontrollable like a bronchial cough. Yes. Um, yeah, I tried all kinds of things to for coughing, and nothing. You know, um, so even so cough medicine didn't cough medicine didn't help subside it. Cough oh, medicine, wow. cough drops. Um, uh, I had actually um, from another previous uh, uh, respiratory infection, just a normal something uh bronchitis or or something like that. Right. Um, right. I had these. Uh, there there are pills um to uh help coughing um to stop your coughing and uh mm-hmm. and they did nothing um wow. uh ibuprofen did nothing i was having pain i was having this pain in my head in my it felt like between my my skull and my scalp it felt like somebody was putting electric rods in there and moving them around jesus this is and, so awful yeah, it was it was very very bad and i had and I, I, had to stay as still as possible or it hurt more so and did you have a fever did you have a fever at this oh, point yes. so then the fever came on the first night actually um but it was only about a hundred and little a hundred points something you know and i was like okay well that's not you know and i i do have a thermometer so i was checking and then uh the next day was 102 and that's Ugh. pretty lousy Mm-hmm. And then it went to 103.5 and Jesus. it stayed there. And I was call I called, um, the, uh, uh, the number, you know, where my doctor is, but they weren't, you know, of course, Oh, it was evening. It was nighttime and nobody was there, but, um, but I knew they had the people that answer the phones. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and they were having, uh, registered nurses, um, uh, return calls. You know, if you had questions, mm-hmm. you could possibly get and this is early on, so people weren't even prepared yeah. yet. I know. And so okay. when I got a hold of the person on the phone, that's not a nurse, that's a person fielding the phones. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, um, well, I can't give you any medical advice, um, but I will, I can have a registered nurse call you back. And I just, just to let you know, at this point, they are seven hours behind so it will be at least oh. hours before someone calls you oh so now my. that would be in the you know middle of the night three four o'clock yes in the morning, right and i'm like so okay so what do i do and he goes again i can't give you any medical advice and oh. this is gonna sound hilarious and yet oh and yet i think it's it's what saved me um i had uh just watched outbreak yeah. <laughs> oh my God. A pen- about oh my God. A pandemic. Oh my God. And I don't know if you saw it, but if you remember, there's a scene in there where uh, Kevin Spacey's character got, uh, you know, something happened in the lab and he ended up getting infected and they're standing at his bedside and he's in this, he starts to have uh, a seizure because his fever is so high. Mm-hmm. And they immediately just pour ice all over him. I don't remember, but wow. Okay, continue, yeah. yeah. Get his fever down and stop the seizure. Well, I wasn't having a seizure, but I was having this constant 103.8 fever. And I was like, that's very high. I know that's dangerous. So I got all these um, 
these flexible uh, ice things for my cooler out of the freezer. Oh. And I literally put them all around my head and all around me, it just laying here, just laying here with ice. And, but uh, what, what inside were you freaking out? You knew, you knew something bad was going on. Oh, and I was sure I had it at this point. You know, I was like, this is like nothing else I've ever had. And were you alone? Was your boyfriend there? What, what, were you alone during this time? Of course, was in the house, but I was out here alone in this little building. Wow. And, you know, my boyfriend was texting and I was saying, okay, well, I can't, you know, He's texting how worried he is, and I'm like, this is not yeah. helping me. Yeah. <laughs> this is helping me. Um, uh, but, you know, but I said, you can't, you know, he goes, I, w- I want to come over and help you. And I go, I, I'm like, no, nobody can. No. You can't. Um, Absolutely not. So, uh, so my fever went down after the ice, you know, it didn't go completely normal, but it went down. And uh, um, so then I, I was able to sleep. And then uh, the next day I put that stuff back in the freezer and, um, and was out here and it, it started again, halfway through the day, I felt, you know, I started getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And I was like, yep, I'm oh. going to 0.8 again. Wow. And I got the ice again, packed myself again. So there were two days of 103.8 and then it was like 102 for another four days or so. But let me ask you this question. So during that 103 and even the 102, 102 is a high fever. Yeah. But was your body aching and were you coughing throughout this? Did you feel like you constantly, just got hit? Yes. Constantly. The pain was all in my head. In the, mm. that I like a you. severe headache? Like a tightening? You no, know, it, uh, it was like I said, like uh, hot electric rods shooting wow. through my scalp. Um, Can't imagine. Yeah, it just, I, it sounded like when I've heard some friends who have extreme migraines, when they talk about it, like when the mm. light sensitivity and the, mm. you know, everything, it just hurt in my head so bad. Um, no, I didn't really get body aches, so mm. like the flu. Right. Um, uh, but I, but were I, you I, panicking? Were you panicking inside? There were a couple nights, well, I don't know if I describe it as panicking, but I literally was like, went to bed thinking, I'm not sure I'm going to get up. Well, that sounds panicky. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. You weren't sca- you weren't panicked. Yeah, you were just scary. Scared. Scary, not panicked. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, uh and I yeah, I literally thought a couple of couple of nights there, I was like I, So you I, never I, did you you know, this is when they were yeah. saying unless yeah. you can't breathe, stay home. Right. So I mean I could breathe, so I was like, Well So you stayed home. Yeah. I guess that's that, yeah. Now here's the weird thing. So after about five or six days, day five or day six, um, I woke up feeling better, mm. and I was like, "Oh, I think I'm, I think I'm through it." Yeah. Ooh, I actually got up and did a little gardening that morning, and mm. was walking around the yard and all of that, and then I was weak, but you know, right? Like, right. Oh, I feel better. This feels like when I've had the flu and I'm feeling better. Mm. And, uh, and then uh, by that night, it came roaring back. Coughing, <sighs> fever, everything came roaring back that night and then lasted another... Uh, it, the whole thing lasted about 19 days, the worst Jesus. of it. But it was oh. a month before I felt able to do anything. Um, wow. Wake up. And did your roommate, did your roommate get it? Uh, she, okay, here's the thing. So, um, so then I actually, when I was feeling somewhat better, I went to one of the drive through places and got tested. Mm-hmm. Positive. Right. Then that's what prompted my boyfriend to go. He went a day or two later, also positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had no symptoms, like I told you. And he still um, hasn't had any symptoms. No. No. No, and he has now, you know, since tested negative. Uh, my roommate had gone and tested negative mm-hmm. uh, after, you know, me being in the house. All right. And, uh, but then she went and paid for the antibody test and tested positive for the antibodies. Crazy. So, 
she probably had an asymptomatic version at some point and didn't know it. This is so crazy. Again, this is why it's so insidious and why people should wear masks is because you don't know. You feel perfectly fine right now and you may never get a symptom, but be passing it on to 30 people at the party. 30 people. And I I mean, I know people around me, including, well, I don't want to say, but they've been having a lot of parties and it's just so crazy to me. They just feel like they are invincible and it is not an invincible awful thing to get. And like you said, I'm so happy you recovered because I know people who haven't. And it's, it's awful and you look great and you seem healthy and I'm so happy that you watched that movie and maybe that really saved your life. You, you don't know because I'm also glad you didn't go to the hospital because in the early phases of that, they were doing things that they didn't know what they were doing. And it wasn't successful for a lot of people. Yeah, so people, yeah. it really, it really was. Well, we I just, right now I have a yes. friend, an actress who, uh, she and her husband both got it. He was, they both went in the hospital. He got out of the hospital in 16 days. She's on day 120. <gasps> no. Yeah. Is she in a coma? You had, had to be put into a medically induced coma. She's out of the coma. But oh. now she's had to learn to walk again, yeah, speak again, and breathe on her own again. Um, so she's and slowly but surely going to recover. Do we think? Yes, yes. Um, but my God, I mean, oh my God, days that that's three, four months, four months in the hospital. Yeah. Oh, but thank God she's coming out. Unlike. Nick Cadero, may he rest in peace, oh. which was a horrible, horrible thing. And I had just seen him perform in Rock of Ages. And I oh. felt really connected to his story because I just saw him in January, rocking that stage, being so vibrant with the most incredible voice and stature, yeah. incredible. So, well, I just wanted people to hear your story. And are you, how do you feel about, um, I mean, obviously you're protecting yourself. You don't know if you can get it again. You don't know. Yeah, they still don't say um, if you're immune once you've had it, or um, you know, can you can you pass it on unknowingly having had it? I, nobody knows. I just so nobody I knows. Mask everywhere that I go. Um, I do have you know uh, my boyfriend, my roommate, and I can all hang out. You know, Correct. So none of us wear masks with each other. Right. Uh, we have had some small uh, social distance gatherings in my, cause I have a large yard. So, um, yes. so we can hang out in the yard and be, you know, Safe. six feet apart. Right. And, um, uh, have had some people over that way. Um, and I always have a, I have a great big <laughs> pump container of hand sanitizer. That's, you know, always within reach. So people yes. are like, you know, sanitizing their hands and their glasses that they're drinking out of and, you know, <laughs> Well, I, but you know what? It, if people take the precautions, we can help. We can definitely help. And I am glad you're back to help. Now, I just yeah. want people to hear your story because people don't, they just hear hearsay about people and they don't know. So it was extreme. It was painful. It was scary. And you made it through. Now, there's other scenarios where people are going through the same thing and don't make it through, and there's other scenarios where people get a lighter case. So guys, my message is to wear your mask and don't do something stupid. Don't go to these silly COVID parties that like people are just suicide parties, basically. Um, yeah, you know, don't know which version you're gonna get. Exactly. You don't know if you're gonna get the easy version or the, oh my God, I'm gonna die version. You know, and many people have died who you, who were publicly in the beginning of this saying, you know, being these people that were like, I'm not wearing a mask. I want my rights, blah, blah, blah. That's right. Seen, it shared that they have now died. 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 So you don't know what version you're going to get. It doesn't matter if you're young. It doesn't matter that there are young people dying just like old people. And, That's right. uh, and you know, every age it's, it's just, it's a very insidious virus. You don't know where you're going to get it. You don't know how, you know, I have no idea how it happened um, and how nobody else, you know, the, the thing is that no, 27 other people who were yeah. sharing 
space together all that time. Did not get it. None of them had it. So I can't believe that it was at that gathering. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why it would I yep. Or you touch something that it was on for that second. You don't know. So just be right. safe and be careful. Now, thank you for sharing your story. And let's talk now back to your artistry because this yes. podcast is to help actors and it is to give advice and it is to uplift people's souls. So um, your process when you're uh, getting a role um, and how has it changed you being in casting as well? So let's talk about that because if you're associate casting, that is gonna help see so many things. Share with us, please. Yes, uh, share, woo! Wow, um, oh, best musical <laughs> ever, by the way. Incredible. Oh, loved it, loved it. Oh. Um, <clears throat> yes, uh, 10 years in casting was amazing for an actor. Now I was acting the whole time too. I had a yes. great- uh, because Patrick Rush had cast me in that play in the first place, mm -hmm. when he hired me, he knew I was an actor and it wasn't an issue. Uh, of that. I was able to leave for auditions and bookings and, you know, and, and come back to work. And um, uh, to be in the room for thousands of auditions and just see thousands of auditions and see what works and what doesn't work and, and who's booking and who's not booking and, what the producers say when they leave the room. And, so good. Oh, just so, so it, it, at first it made me sick. <laughs> because, <laughs> well, like, you know, this isn't the I want to know about. Yeah. Um, but then something flipped. One day it literally just flipped and I was like, oh, I just show up and do what I do and they like it or not. Exactly. You can't, can't please anybody. Well, please them. I can't show up trying to figure out what they're looking for. Then I've already lost. A hundred percent. Looking for half the time. So, so you took it as a learning growth and a, the aha moment that you're like, oh my God. Yeah. This is oh so much God. easier than you thought. Yeah. I always what, say to actors, if you're, uh, um, uh, uh, if you're Pepsi, give me Pepsi. Don't pour orange crush out of your can. You know, <laughs> I don't want to open a can of Pepsi and see Orange Crush come out of it. You know what I mean? That's, it's like, I don't yes. want to see an actor that is not at all this character just trying to be that. So now I don't know who they are. I don't yes. know what they have to offer. Well, it's the combination. And you have to honor the words on the page and tell that story, but you can only do that from the essence by of bringing yourself. you to it. But too many people try to conform to what they think is the right way to do it. And then what the producers yep. say is, well, they're all doing it right. But yawn. Yawn stretch. They don't want to, you know, <laughs> they don't want to hire those people. They're like, everybody's doing the right thing, but nobody's interested. So, yeah. so from watching those auditions, from being that, you know, the fly or the reader, whatever, you were in that room, that, that, that got you. That message was clear. So, like, when an actor walked in, what were the things that weren't resonating besides not really truly being your true organic self. But there's other things that actors might do in that room that we, you can share with actors listening oh, that might so resonate. Things. Behavioral things. Um, uh, okay, there's one time we were holding um, producer session in a conference room. Mm -hmm. So the producers, uh, we casting, everybody was sort of at one end of the long oval table. Yes. Actors were coming in and being at the other end of the long oval table. So one guy came in one time and just pulled out the chair, sat down, put his feet up on the table and, you know, like oh, this. Oh, wow. Started chatting. Mm. Immediately, you know, everybody okay. made judgment about, do I want to work with this person for 14 hours a day, you know? And boundaries. such an ass. And they eventually yeah. had to say... Can you just, can you just, would you just stand up and do the scene? How about that? You know, and, <gasps> you know, Yikes. he lost right there. I knew in the room, I knew, you know, he had lost that audition, you know? Mm -hmm. There was another time a guy came in, we had this, um, oh, it was just one of those crazy auditions where the producer writers were like, um, uh, seeing everybody that was coming in for this role. It was a recurring role mm -hmm. coming up on a show. And uh, um, 
every all these people with great credits and you know big big credits and great actors and they're coming in and one after the other the producers saying well I, I know I know his work is but he he just wasn't funny and after several of those that Patrick Rush the casting director turned to the producer and said well um the 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 lines aren't funny you know and he wasn't <laughs> He wasn't dissing them. He was. It wasn't a funny scene. They hadn't written a funny scene. This was just right. a, a scene of a school teacher, and it was there was nothing funny about it. You know what I mean? There was no. You'd have a hard time finding some. And they go, no, no, we know the scene isn't funny, but we want the actor to be funny. Yes. And we're like, what? So we have to have a <laughs> whole other session. Um, not understanding really what they're saying. So now we brought guys who had both comedy and drama on their resumes and, you know, again, big actors and all this stuff and, you know, several more come in and they're just not pleased and all this stuff. Then this guy comes in, I'm running the camera, Patrick is reading with him, producers are there. There's just some spark to him that, mm -hmm. You know, this there was just some kind of joy and fun and maybe a secret. I don't know, but it was just something intriguing and fun about this guy without being without making a joke out of anything. But he just was that. And I think what happened was, as an actor myself, he felt the groundswell in the room of how happy they were with the audition and you know when mm -hmm. they said some nice things afterwards and all that and. Uh, and you could see the relief in our producers' faces, and we thought, this is it, this is what they wanted, this is the guy, da-da-da. Yeah. He gets over to the door to leave, and he puts his hand on the doorknob, and he turns around, looks at everybody, and he goes, see you on the set. Oh! And then they all, they all turn around, and they go, oh my god, I mean, I thought he was it until he did that. Is he, is he an asshole? Is he an asshole? Oh. I don't know. I, I can't send him to to uh yes oh. if i if i if he's an ass oh my god oh they're like uh we need someone else like that and he just you know he lost wow. the role one little he, he would have it he would have booked it so um oh my god that's great so, to hear that's such a great the way you come in the way you leave don't be cocky yeah don't be cocky or you know even if you feel it just walk out with pride great, great and, yeah and grace and um and you know be thankful you got an opportunity many other people do not get the opportunity to be in the room at all but i so, think that you should never say thank you so much for bringing me in because it is their job to bring you in so stay yeah. in that power place no no you don't have to i'm not saying that but you you need to be just yes. leave, leave with gratitude that you yeah, got to I'm, be there. Um, thousand percent. yeah um and and Dan, have fun while you're doing it. When people come in and they are, uh, uh, when they would come in and they would be like scared out of their minds or mm. you know, literally like paper shaking or uh, something like that, they're never going to hire you. Never, never. going to hire you because they mm -hmm. just need someone that's going to show up and do it without having to worry about them. Um, and they pretty much need you to just be, they need to believe you, you as the yes. character. That's all they need. Yeah. And also feel safe in your personality that you're going to just shut up and show exactly. up on set and not be an issue, not have boundary issues. Yeah. We had another woman who had a recurring role in one of our shows and mm -hmm. she postcarded them to death. She... After the fact. What do you mean? Had, she, had, she had a role um, that came back. Um, okay. okay a couple of times, but every time she would get to know the cameraman, the, uh, you know, the DP, the, um, the crew people, all the, she would send a postcard separately to every person. <laughs> da, 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 da. So one time when I went down to um, the studio to hold an audition, I'm walking through the offices and I see this giant uh, cork board on the wall covered in her postcard. All of her postcards. Oh yeah, all the ones she has. Oh. Seen. So I'm looking at that and I'm going, 
what's that all about? And they're like, oh my God, she sends postcards all the time. And when she's oh, here, boy. she acts like she's, you know, a, 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 a series regular on the show and blah, 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 blah. Don't you know, we get a call from the producers and they're like, okay. And, and it, was a, it was a little group of three women that recurred. They said, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we want these two back, but not this one. Wow. You know, so they, they said we had to find another woman. Um, uh, and she and was, she didn't know. She just didn't know. And she no, just she went overboard. had her agents call me at Patrick's office to ask why they mm. said she saw an episode with the other two and why wasn't she on it and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, I think they're just mixing it up. They're just, you know, <gasps> we're going to. What are we going to say? We're going to, you know. The truth? No, you couldn't tell her. You just no. couldn't. It wasn't your place. It's not your place, not your show. It can't. You can't. No. No. But, um, wow, you must have learned so much from all these little experiences. Did it make you feel calmer going into the room? Like, it's not the biggest ordeal of the world. It's just you're, you're an actor. You got to go in. You got to tell your story. You got to be sure you understand the script, break it down, make it specific, and then live it. Yes. And also, uh, you know, television, especially, happens very quickly. So yes, you, know, pacing. you could be shooting the day after the audition. So it's just, you know, you have to, you just have to be what they're looking for that day and, and not worry about it. If you're not, you can't, you can't change that. But what, what I always say is that you want to, um, uh, you want to book the room as opposed yes. to booking the role. So if you mm-hmm. book the room, they like you, you're just not this role this time, we'll call you back again. We'll call you back again and again and again. The producers like you, we liked you. You know, it, it just wasn't your role that time. Mm-hmm. Um, or someone else came in and just lit it up so much that, you know, you were the choice until they came in. You know, something like that. But still they're like, you know, hey, let's remember this guy or let's remember this gal. They were really good. We'll just keep calling them in until we find something for them. You know, so that that's what you want to do, in my opinion, is book the room. So those those cast. And so let me just interject. What would can you just give three things, pieces right now, what that would mean to actors listening that would be so beneficial in booking that room? Like I would say, be specific in story. And I would say a bunch of things, but I'm asking you, what would those things? I'll tell you, I say, um, uh, (laughs) I mean, that everyone in that room is already assuming you know how to act they don't need to yes. see any of your they don't they don't they just need to believe you as the character they, yes. they already assume you can act it's not yes. like you know that well you never want to show the acting but yes no yes. no 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 oh my yeah, god that's another ah. thing okay so just let me interject this story because it was please great. So Good. we're having this producer session and we have, you know, we had probably 10 or 15 roles in the episode and some of them were co-stars, you know, one or two lines. And, um, but we have to hold the session and get it all done, you know? Yeah. So this one guy comes in and he has three lines and you'd swear he thought <laughs> he was, you know, the lead of The Graduate or something. You know, it was <laughs> so much... Mm. and so much you could see everything so he leaves and then the producer goes where's that guy's resume and and we throw him the resume and he looks at the resume on the back and he goes yep Yale School of Drama I saw every dollar he paid oh (laughs) ow ow he's like no you gotta throw it away you gotta throw it away and we gotta believe we gotta believe you in three lines that you're the manager of the restaurant or the nurse or the you know whatever it is it's and also let me just say with the proper timing and pacing accordingly for what genre it is because television is a faster medium yes 100 percent. okay um so anyway yes uh, go yeah so uh i well what I always tell actors is I call it the four P's. I go, the, there are mm. four things that you have control over in any, mm. audit, in any room. And that is your preparation, your mm-hmm. performance, your personality, and mm. your professionalism. Everything else is out of your control. Your age, your weight, your height, your gender, your anything else is, that walks in the room and that just is. There's nothing you can do. I love do that. that. I love that. 
I'm going to resonate with that. That resonates with me rather. That is incredible. And you are a thousand percent right. None of it's in your control, except for- None of that is in your control. If you, Sherry, walked into an audition and you look like one of our producer's exes who he hates, do you think there you go. hard on the show? I don't think so. I don't think they mm -hmm. want to spend a week with you on the show. No. No. I think that happened a lot during my acting days. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You should just play X's for the rest of I your life. I understand. Now I understand why I didn't get those roles. Thank you, Todd. <laughs> but I mean, it literally, that can happen. That yes. happened. We had, Thousand percent. We had one producer who, who could not stand it in any human being if when they smiled mm. they showed their top gums i love it yeah yep. i don't, understand don't ever bring in another actor who shows their gums when they smile so here you are you know studying doing workshops with that cast yeah yep. um, just trying to get in there on that show and maybe you're even really right for the show but we can't bring you in because our producers don't like it that you're going <gasps> go when you smile so all of that is out of your crazy. Control. There is so no crazy. So then I group them together. Preparation and performance go together. You've got to put in the time and you've got to, of course, understand the script and the character and the, everything you're doing and what, what genre it is. And, you know, uh, hopefully you can see a little bit of it. You don't always, you're not always able to if it's a pilot or something, but That's you right. see a little bit of the show and get the flavor of it. And you, you sort of understand what this person mm -hmm. would be in that world. And mm -hmm. you bring that in with yourself uh, and create a performance. It's a performance because they, again, it happens so fast. They really don't have time to work with you and mold you into Correct. some character. They want to see it in the room and say, right. okay, put them in costume. Right. Bring them in. Great. That's it. That's the guy. Done. And they'll give you, you know, little direction on set, but you know, when you go <laughs> director. They don't really have time. They don't have time. They're doing a whole lot of other things and they just, they don't want to have to. They got to get the shot. They just want the shot. So your preparation and your performance, that's what Check. you all do before showing up. Yes. And then your personality and your professionalism. That's the things I was talking about, about other people being, you know, acting cocky or mm -hmm. uh, there was one time there was a, um, you know, we've all been there where you're in the waiting area and there's like one actor or actress who just won't, they won't shut up. They, mm -hmm. they, they are disruptive, they, um, they're annoying, um, even in just their tone or whatever. And, um, and we had one time we were holding a session and um, you don't know who, by the way, um, who is in, in the waiting area. You may, there may be people walking through there that will have something to do with your audition. Exactly. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. The writer of the episode had walked through where the actresses were waiting. And this one was, you know, being obnoxious. And he came in, he shut the door and he said, what's with that obnoxious chick out there in the striped blouse? Wow. And everybody's like, oh no, I don't know who, what, what? He goes, oh, she was just, she was going on and on about, uh, and she just, he was just turned off by her personality in the waiting area. Right? Important. So when she came yes. in, she already lost she it. She didn't have a chance. No. Mm -mm. You know, had she not been that way out there and he had not walked through, you know, it might have been different. There was another guy who, uh, at one Crazy. audition, locked himself in the, the one and only bathroom <sighs> that was for actors and staff on the show Ooh. and yeah. locked himself in there to run his lines. So the director of the episode. Wow said, oh, I gotta, I gotta go to the restroom. And he's gone forever and he comes back in and everybody's like, are you okay? And he's like, I need to wait outside. There's some actor in there running his lines the whole time, you know, blah, blah, blah. Wow. So the director is standing there when this guy comes out of the bathroom. Oh. And then when the guy comes in, the director just goes. And the guy feels humiliated, but still he was being selfish. No, guy, I, I don't even think the guy knew, you know what I mean? I don't oh. think paid attention to that's who it was but the the director was letting us know this is the guy oh you know? i see yeah we're not hiring this guy let's just get this over with you know so your personality and your professionalism i always say that the audition starts when you are on the premises if you are as soon as you walk on the warner brothers lot 
even though you're going to have yeah. to another 20 minute walk to wherever the audition is. You are at the audition. Don't be. I, yes. Somebody in a golf cart could be headed to that audition and see you being an asshole. Such great advice. Oh my gosh. When I, when I promote that, I'm putting those four P's up there because that will make or break it. And then the work doesn't yeah. even matter because honestly, your professionalism, in my opinion, is more important because if you're boundaryless, they, it's their house. Yeah. That TV show is their house 14, 18 hours a day. Think yeah, about who being, you would want to invite to your house for 14 hours a day. Exactly. You don't want any of those idiots, assholes, actors who come in and are like, I just need a minute and turn around and go in the corner and work up the emotions. They don't want to see that. They don't, nor do they have the time to. They just want it to be easy peasy. You want to be calm yeah. and focused and grounded, tell your story and leave. And, it's, and don't complain. And it's, yeah, you're great for the role. And I could hang around you for 12 hours a day. You know? A hundred percent. gets invited to the party. The what? Say it again. Be a person who gets invited to the party. Agreed. That was incredible advice. Incredible, incredible. And of course, I just want you to close out by just uh, inspiring, of course, because I'm uh, lead with inspiration, of course, and those stories were amazing. So just three things that you would tell actors to do. Study what, 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 and what, besides the four Ps, which were incredible. I would Loved tell it. them uh, that I never booked a job until I brought myself to the audition. Great. Um, uh, Jack Plotnick, you know, Jack Plotnick, actor and acting teacher. Um, Don't. He has this great thing that is uh, that I even write on the top of my script sometimes when I go to an audition, and it's just for this room. Think of those words. Just for yeah. this room. I like you're not it. Doing it in a theater. You're not doing it for a you know at the Hollywood Bowl. You're doing it just for this room because that's how it'll be for the camera. Lovely. So just people sitting right there. Just do it just for this room. That's all the bigger it needs to be, you know? Great. Um, and uh, I love the quote by Henry Ford who said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. <laughs> so if you go to an audition already thinking, oh, well, they're never going to believe me in this role, or I'm not famous enough for this big role, or mm -hmm. any of that crap, you're already, you've already lost. I love that quote too. Amazing. Thank you so much for viewing your stories. And you guys, uh, if you have any questions to him, you can come through the office and we will shoot questions your way. Um, so guys, thank you so much. And whoever listened today, thank you for tuning in and stay out there. Be courteously aggressive and go after your dreams. Todd, thank you so much. You're Appreciate welcome. your time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Stay safe. Wear your masks.